Hi, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This is uh, a teaching podcast from my sermons at the church, and uh, just so thankful for you to tune in. This week we covered the whole chapter of Philippians chapter three, so we're we're dealing from verse one to the end there. And I hope that it touches your heart. I, I love this study, and I, I've been blessed by it, and so. Uh, I hope that, that you will be blessed by this series as well. Again, come see us, eaglechurchofchrist.com. We'd love to, love to meet you, love to have you visit, love to study with you. Hope to see you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Jordan is throwing curveballs today. In the first service, we didn't sing that again through the second time. And You ever, you ever sing a song, you expect something, you, you jump out there and you're the only one singing it? Like I narrowly missed that first service, like... Okay, he's done. Okay, get up there. And then this time, he, he did it again. So, or did it oh, twice. So, thank you. Thank you. Complain the first time you get it. Uh, again, we're, we're glad that you're, you're here uh, this morning. Such a great crowd. And, and we continue in our, our study of Philippians. Uh, today, we'll be in, in Philippians uh, chapter 3 specifically. In the next couple of weeks, we will be in Philippians chapter 4. So, again, I want to encourage you each week to just read the chapter we're in. Takes a couple of minutes. You can read it every day. Heck, if you read it in the morning and the evening, you could you could have it read fourteen times by next week, and you will be an expert in it, right? Yeah. So uh, again, keep reading, keep studying. It's a great book, and I hope you've uh, been enjoying the study so far. Today, we're going to take the whole chapter three uh, of, of Philippians. We could stay here a long time, but I want to I want to keep moving, or we could be in here for six months. And so you guys would be tired of Philippians at that point. Uh, today, again, we're talking about chapter 3. And, and throughout this, this chapter, I think a lot of what Paul is saying revolves around this question. Are we right with God? Now, I hope that's something that is kind of a part of your life. Am I right with God right now? And so when we come uh, and we worship together, hopefully things are challenging. We hear from God's Word. We uh, maybe we're, you know, we're challenged to change some things or to allow God to change some things in us, but we are kind of driven by the question, are we right with God? Because that is concerning to us. We want to be right with God. I think our, our world would be a, a completely different place if we had more people asking this question. Am I right with God? And what, what does it mean to be right with God? The problem is with this question, a lot of times uh, when we ask this, are we right with God? A lot of times in, in the back of our mind, we're, we're, we really end up in a place like this. God, would you go ahead and approve what I already want to do? Like that's more of the place we end up, I think, than asking the question, you know, am I right with God and how do I do that? It, it's more, hey, God, would you go ahead and approve of what I'm already doing because that feels a whole lot better to me, okay? And, and so that's what I believe a lot of times in Scripture, that's what we come up against. And that's what Paul is coming up against in Philippians chapter 3. He's coming up against some people who believe that they are more right with God because of what they are doing, and it is not, they are not open to the teaching that Paul is, is giving them. They're not understanding. They're wanting to push their ways and their agenda. And for a few minutes before we get into this chapter, I want to remind you of a, a story in the Old Testament uh, when Israel, do you remember, Israel was never supposed to have a king. But the people kept wanting a king, even though God said, I will be your king. So this story comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, the people are talking to Samuel, uh, the prophet Samuel, and they're saying, uh, you are old, 
That's that's always a good way to start a, uh, a conversation, right? Like like this is gonna go well when somebody kind of gets down in your face and say, "All right, you are old." And so <laughs> that's what you see here. You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. So they know they're not supposed to have a king. God has told them that, but but they come up with a good excuse. Okay, and Samuel's Samuel's kids weren't good. His sons. Now, uh, Scripture will tell us in this chapter that his sons were all about taking bribes. They weren't about uh, really, you know, the right things. So they were bad people. This is not false. Samuel's old, and his sons do not follow your ways. But but notice their, their reasoning there. Now, appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. I want that because that's what everybody else has. Anybody else been there before? What we do, call it keeping up with the Joneses, you know, stuff like that. Uh, there's just a desire to kind of keep up with other people, like especially people that are like close in your circle. Like if they get a new house, now mine seems kind of old and ratty. Same thing with a car, right? You know, and, and, you, and you finally get that. It's like, hey, fantastic. Five years later, you know, it's old and ratty. You don't want it anymore, even though you loved it. Okay, so we, we want to chase that thing that everybody else has. My kids experienced this with, who, who in here knows what Fortnite is? Okay, yeah, all right, plenty of people. So the way that, that video game developers are getting, getting us now, Fortnite is completely free. Like you can download it, you can start playing it today for free if you have the right system. The problem is they put an item shop in there and they call them like skins so you get different characters. And so all of a sudden it was free, but now you go in the item shop and it's like, there's a bunch of Marvel characters. I can play as Iron Man. You know, I can do this. And, and so all of a sudden what was a free game becomes, I got to have that. Now, all the stuff in the item shop does not help you at all in playing the game better. It is completely aesthetic, like what it looks like. But the kids have to have it. I think Logan, my four-year-old, spends more time in the item shop than he does play in the game. And I'll be in my office studying, and he'll come in, and it'll sound like it is an emergency. Somebody's going to the hospital or something. Dad, dad, dad. But often he's really informal. He'll walk in there, and he'll say, dude, you've got to check this out. Like, what is it? Well, there's a new skin. It's the best one. There's an emote, which means just a little dance they do or something. You know, you've got to have it. So often our, our desires are not am I right with God? But it's like, God, would you just rubber stamp? I really want to do that. I really want what they have. And that's what they're coming up against here. We want a king like all the other nations. It says, uh, what Samuel does right after that, right before this, this scripture here, is Samuel says, okay, here's what it'll be like if you have a king. And he goes on to list all of these things. He says, now, if you have a king, the king's going to make sure that, you know, your, your sons are like, what he describes there is kind of being in the military. They're going to, he's going to call them to service. You know, you don't have all these, the freedom to do what you want. You, they're going to be called to service. They're going to be called to command legions. They're going to be called to all these things. Your daughters are going to be called to do all of these things. So this is going to require a lot from you. And several times in that, in that chapter, he describes uh, what we would call taxes. Like if you want a king, you're going to get taxes. Anybody like overjoyed about that? No. And so he lays all of this out there. This is what you're wanting. And then they say, well, the people, 
refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. We want what they have. We feel like being, being right with God is about this, what we want to do, even though God has said this is not it. And the funny thing about this is, it says we want a king to lead us and go out before us in our battles. The first king that, that is chosen there is Saul. Remember, Saul is described as a man who's a head taller than everybody. Uh, he said he's a, a real good-looking guy, so probably looked a lot like me. And what? I don't understand. But, but yeah, I mean, Saul is described as a guy who, you know, we kind of assign leadership qualities, like, like a CEO of a company. Man, I like a tall leader, you know. And that's what they're, they're doing here. You know, he's a tall, good-looking dude. Uh, but we want, a, we want a king to fight our battles. But do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Why is the story not Saul and Goliath? Because Saul, the king, the leader, the tall guy, the big guy, is scared to death. And though the Israelites thought they were getting kings to lead them into battle, the king puts his armor on a young man to go fight his battle for him. This is what they signed up for. And before we jump on, you know, Saul too much, remember a few weeks ago when we talked about David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11 says, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, okay? In the spring, kings are supposed to go off to war. They're supposed to go out plundering, taking, place, taking things. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. Was that say church? But David... Remain in Jerusalem. How about those kings that are going to go fight for you? All of them are just sitting at the house. And what does this lead to? Nothing good, right? And so, though we, we may have had some good reasons, hey, Samuel, your kids aren't good, so instead of what God said, we need to replace them and have a king, God has said, no, you need me as your king, and this is the way it goes. You don't get what you thought you, you were getting. It turns out much worse for them. So in Philippians 3, uh, Paul starts out this way. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you uh, again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. I want to point out something real quick. We have translated verse 2 uh, into English. It's just, you know, that, that's a fine translation. In the Greek, it says watch out every time at the beginning of the sentence and every time there's a comma. So in Greek, the sentence is watch out for those dogs, watch out for those evildoers, watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. In emphasis, right? Paul wants you to know, look out for these people. Now, what are these people doing? This is all about circumcision, people who followed uh, the old law, Right? Okay, so this is actually Jewish people who, who would say, hey, we want to follow Jesus, but in order to follow Jesus, you first need to become a Jew. You need to follow the old law, then to follow Jesus. And what Paul says is, Jesus is enough. It is not about Jesus plus something else. Jesus is enough. 
And he is very strong in what he says here. Dogs, uh, just to clarify, some of you are dog lovers. I, I know there's, there's, there's one back here. But, but dogs, dogs in, in this day and time were not man's best friend. They were just something that got in the trash and were around, okay? Unless they were hurting something, uh, that kind of deal, you know, unless they were being used in service, dogs were just, just a, a nuisance, a nuisance animal. And so uh, that's what you see here. He is being strong about these people. You cannot look at this as like, oh, they're just trying their best. No, they are trying to pervert the gospel and say it is Jesus plus something. Paul then says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now, this is a little weird because we've just talked about these people who are, who are all about circumcision, and you have to be circumcised. It's Jesus plus this. And then Paul says, no, it's we who are of the circumcision. What? That's kind of weird. But, but what he's talking about there is you can go back to Old Testament passages where it says, God will, by his spirit, circumcise our hearts. Okay, so there's a spiritual element to this. God, by his spirit, who we who boast in Christ Jesus. Again, they're holding this thing up as you have to do this. You are not good enough. You are not following God. That's what these people are saying, unless you are doing this. And so they are boasting that they are right with God. And everybody else who's just taken Jesus and not this other stuff are not. See what I'm saying? And he says, but we boast, our boast, our confidence comes only in Jesus Christ. Amen? And he is enough. He says, and, he says, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Again, we don't have our confidence in this, this other thing. It is only in Jesus. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. You ever heard of a humble brag? This is not one of those things. This is overt. Paul's about to let you know his resume. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You know, kind of get, get, get ready. Here it comes. I have more. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, that's the right day, of the people of Israel, God's people, of the tribe of Benjamin, fantastic tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. That's how far I went. He says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Anybody going to make that statement about themselves this morning? Like, according to everything I know, I have been faultless. Like, this is a brag. This is who I am. And when Paul says this, remember, he is saying this to people in Rome or in you know, Roman culture who are all about honor and shame. And it's all about how much honor can I bring on myself? And so what family you came from was a big deal. Do you come from a wealthy family or is your, your family, you know, down here? You're kind of the riffraff type of people. And, and so when Paul says all these things, they're probably looking going, oh, yeah, man, this guy right here, he's it. But notice what he does after he sets this up and he gives you all these bragging points. If anybody say they can brag, you listen to my resume. And he lists it out there. But look at this. He says, but whatever were gains to be, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
That's how important Jesus is to me. And then he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want you to notice that word uh, in verse 8. He says, I consider them garbage. Okay, that word in Greek, uh, we would probably consider a bad word. Uh, the best, like the nicest way to say it is dung. Okay, so so Paul has just given you all of these things. He's, he's, he's propping himself up and a people that are listening for the honor, how much honor can we bestow on people? They're going, oh, oh, oh. And he says, I consider them this. He took it right out from under them. It's almost like, you, <laughs> it's almost like uh, Joe Bean told a story one time. He said he was, he was preaching at a church, and this woman sat on the front row and uh, said she was just with it. And when you're preaching, somebody's like, amen, and oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. You, you just kind of, you feel energy, you know? So step it up, y'all. <laughs> no, but he said one night he kind of he threw it like a, like a curveball, and she's like, yeah, that's right, that's right. And he threw like a, like I'm going to switch it. And so he switched, and she's like, oh, that's right. And he said, no. And she said, oh, no, that's not right. <laughs> So he threw the curveball, you know, he's going with you. All right, all right, all right. Oh, oh, no, no, no. So that's what he does. He says, I consider all of that trash. I consider all that dung. It is the lowest of the low stuff. Again, these are people who are holding up their circumcision. They are uh, sons and daughters of Abraham. They are holding up all of these things. And he's going, no, it is about Jesus. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of my surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Again, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So many times we, we kind of hold up different things and think, God, I'm, you know, here's why I deserve it. But that's not it. It's not Jesus plus something. It is all about knowing Jesus and having faith in him. Now, that's a complete faith. That's not just saying, hey, I know Jesus. Because we read in Scripture that even the demons know who Jesus is. But it didn't change who they were or who, what they did. And so for us, it is having a faith and knowing who Jesus is and believing in him and having that affect our lives that we want to be found in him. Not having, I like this, not having a righteousness of my own, being self-righteous. Man, can we be that way? Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I love this part here. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus uh, took hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is, what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I let all of that go. I dropped all of that. All that stuff that you guys really liked what I said just a minute ago. I let all of that, that doesn't matter. What matters is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the important thing for me. He says, 
and just though he, he's just been bragging, he says, you know what? I don't consider myself to have obtained it. I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't already arrived. So many times, church folks, I think we, we just, hey, I already know everything, and we just kind of shut down, and we don't, we're not teachable anymore. We don't want to learn anything. Don't, don't challenge me. I, w- I want to know that I've, you know, I've already arrived in, in a certain aspect. But he says, not, I, haven't, I don't even feel like I have already gotten it. He says, I, don't, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. He uses this um, uh, sports imagery all the time. This idea that, that you know, in a race, you're never going to turn around and run backwards, are you? You've got to keep going. You've got to keep focused. You've got to keep moving, straining forward participating with God, saying, I am going. And what I, what I see in our churches a lot of times, either A, we, we think we've already arrived and we kind of have this self-righteousness, or B, we think so negatively about the past that we don't feel like we can move forward because God is not going to forgive us. Like he hasn't, he cannot forget what has happened. And so either way, Paul is saying, I believe he's saying for both of those things, I forget all of that. Let that go so that you can know Jesus. We have read several times over the last few weeks about how God is faithful to forgive us. All we have to do is ask him. I know it's, it's hard sometimes to forgive ourselves and to move forward, but that's exactly what Paul says to do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called each and every one of us toward that. Are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? I think the application for this kind of uh, teaching in Philippians 3 is what are we adding to Jesus to say people are right with God? What is it that I am saying it takes Jesus plus this to be right with God. You know, Churches of Christ, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but we have had a, um, a lot of people have thought what we have said is you have to have Jesus plus go to a place that has Church of Christ on the door. Now, Scripture doesn't say that, but we have. And sometimes we say, well, you have to have Jesus plus you have to uh, worship the way we do. Or you have to have Jesus, plus you better vote the way I vote because that party is the party of God. By the way, don't ever do that about any party because it's not. I don't care which one you're thinking about. And, and we can draw lines around those things. And, and you, you never heard any of that with what Paul was saying, did you? You hear unity in, in following Jesus, and that's all I'm thinking about is, is that relationship with him, straining toward that. But if I stood up this morning and and I said something negative about the candidate, the political candidate you love, you may think, oh, I don't know about John. I don't know if he's right with God. And we come up with our reasons, right? Oh, you can't vote for this party because of, or whatever. Or if I said something positive about the other one, you know, whatever the case may be, there could be a lot of things we could say. If we opened up this for discussion this morning, there's no telling how many things we could come up with that we have said, maybe we didn't think we were saying, but it really we really were saying it is Jesus plus this. And Paul says, 
You gotta let all that other stuff go. You need to follow Jesus. Strain toward that. Keep your focus on that. And if our church will do that, God will do some fantastic things with it. That we will remain people who want to be taught, who want to learn, who want to grow closer to Him. And God will bless that. So this morning, are you uh, Jesus plus something else? Or is all your confidence in Jesus Christ? I pray that it is. This morning, if you have any prayer requests, I'd love to pray with you. Um, love to praise God with you if you got something that's going on positive in your life. Uh, we'd love to, to do anything. Um, if you'd like to be baptized and begin that walk, that walk that says, listen, when I am baptized, I am pledging allegiance to Jesus Christ. All those things that I've done in the past are gone. God forgives me of those things, and now I just focus on moving forward. We'd love to begin that walk with you right now. Would you come as we stand and sing?